Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. And this morning we're going to worship His name. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in this service. Anybody excited about the Christmas season upon us? December 2nd today? Looking forward to what God is going to teach us today. And uh, thank you so much for being here. You can go ahead and find a seat and grab a jacket if you have one. If you have a Bible this morning, you can go ahead and grab it. And uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter number 1. And this morning we are starting a new series that we're calling Full Circle. Everybody say Full Circle. Matthew chapter number one is where we're going to be. I'm excited about this new series. Throughout uh, really the Christmas narrative, there are uh, several different mentions of Old Testament prophecies that came to pass at the birth of Jesus. And we see time and time again how uh, prophecies were fulfilled. And we see what was predicted in the Old Testament comes full circle in the New Testament. And we're going to learn about the promises of God and how the promises of God always come to fruition. The promises of God always come full circle. And this morning, I'm going to preach a message, the first installment of this series. I'm going to preach a message that I'm calling Mind the Gap. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, Mind the Gap. Look to your other neighbor and say, you too. Matthew chapter eight, uh, Matthew chapter number one, verse number 18. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? The Bible says this in verse number 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. To take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, watch this, that it might be fulfilled. This was all done. All this was happening, that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the miracle of Christmas. And God, we're so thankful that we have this opportunity to gather together freely this morning to lift high your name 
and to worship you with everything that we have. God, we believe that you are worthy of all the worship and you are worthy of all of our praise. And God, uh, we want to make sure that we are constantly living a life of unceasing worship to your name. And God, I pray that as we begin this new series this morning, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and give me the right words to say that uh, can direct our church and help our church. And uh, God, I pray that we can all be uh, strengthened and edified uh, through your word today. Lord, I pray that we can understand uh, really uh, what the Christmas story is all about. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, how many of you would consider yourself to be a planner? Can I see your hand? You are a planner. Okay. Uh, a lot of people in the front row. Very good. Um, how many of you would say, no, I'm more of a free spirit. Just kind of let, let things uh, happen. And okay, very good. Uh, many people in the back. Okay, <laughs> that's right. And uh, I, I come from a family of planners. My family, I think everybody in my family likes to plan and to always have a detailed schedule about what's happening. My mom already sent uh, our entire family a PDF holiday schedule back in November of every family event that she wants us to attend and be a part of. And uh, my family is just a family of planners. I remember several years ago, our family was getting ready to go on a trip to Israel. And my dad sent everybody in our family a three ring binder filled with 200 pages of itinerary and schedule and uh, pretty much every hour of every day what we were going to be doing. He was like, here's what you need to know. Here is the plan. And uh, now that's kind of wore off. And now my daughter lives. She's five years old, but she always wants to know what the plan is. Like all the time, dad, what's the plan? I don't know. But what's the plan? What are we doing? We're going to church. What are we doing after that? <laughs> She's constantly wanting to know uh, what the plan is. And as you study the Christmas story throughout scripture, it's not hard to understand that God had a plan since the very beginning. I mean, the Christmas story was what was planned. God had a design and a role and a plan for uh, the timing of the Christmas story. And really, the Christmas story does not begin in the New Testament. We can go all the way back to the book of Genesis to see the plan uh, uh, starting to unfold for the Christmas story. God is speaking to Satan in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. The Bible says this, and I will put enmity, this is God speaking to Satan, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so uh, God is saying to Satan, hey, there is coming a woman who will have a child, and, and uh, you will bruise the heel of this child, speaking of Jesus, and you will bruise the heel, speaking of uh, the cross at Calvary, but he will bruise your head, speaking when Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave once and for all. And so all the way back in Genesis chapter number three, we know that there is a seed coming, there is a a child coming who will crush the head of Satan, who will defeat sin, uh, death, and the grave once and for all. And his name is Jesus. And that is the promise of Christmas. Aren't you thankful for the promise of Christmas this morning? This was uh, prophesied all the way back in the book of Genesis. And even when we come to uh, later passages in the Old Testament, we see that uh, they are pointing us ahead to uh, this miraculous birth. They're pointing us ahead to uh, Jesus being uh, born. And when Matthew comes along and he writes, writes uh, the, the New Testament Gospel of Matthew, he is uh, writing primarily to a Jewish audience, and so he's uh, particularly concerned about uh, uh, what uh, the Jewish audience would uh, be hearing, what they would be thinking as they read this letter, and so he's constantly pointing them back to the Old Testament. He's constantly uh, connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, uh, just five times, five times in just two chapters, in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, the word fulfilled is used by Matthew. Everybody say fulfilled. 
And so he's showing how, how, how these promises of God that were predicted back in the Old Testament, even all the way back in Genesis chapter number three, are now coming to fruition uh, in this first uh, book of the New Testament. And so we're seeing how, how God's plan always comes full circle. The time from uh, the prophecy in Genesis chapter three all the way till Matthew is thousands of years. Even the gap between uh, the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament from Malachi to Matthew was a gap of 400 years, 400 years of silence and no prophecy and no uh, new revelation from God. And there was just this silence. Nothing was, was taking uh, place. And uh, several years ago, Katie and I, we, we made a trip to London. And I remember when we uh, were getting on the London Underground, we kind of uh, saw all of these signs. And you've probably seen them that say, mind the gap. And uh, all of these warnings everywhere, mind the gap. And even when you're about to get on the train, uh, when you're about to cross the platform onto the train, there's a voice that comes over the PA system that says, mind the gap, mind the gap. And they're constantly warning you. And they had to do this because many people were tripping and they were falling. And so uh, really the city of London came out with this whole campaign to mind the gap. Everybody say mind the gap. Mind the gap. And I believe that, that that warning could very much be applied to the life of a believer because often as Christians we find ourselves in this gap between the promises of God and the provision of God. And if I could ask uh, Daniel and uh, Sean if you can come up here and help me for a second this morning. And so often we, we find ourselves in this, in this gap. And uh, I'm going to have Daniel help me. He's going to represent uh, the promise of God if you want to take this back one, there you go, and Sean, you can stand right there and hold that up, and Dan, if you want to stand over there, that would be great, and uh, yep, Daniel, he's awesome, and uh, uh, so we have the provision, and uh, we have the promise, and a lot of times in, in our lives as we're navigating through the Christian life, we find ourselves in between the promise and the provision, and we know that there are promises of God, we know that uh, the Bible is filled with wonderful promises of mercy and grace and guidance and love and protection and rest and all these wonderful promises, and we're aware of the promises. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, and so we know that there are promises of God, and we, we hold on to these promises, and we love of these promises. In fact, people study the promises of God and say there, there are more than 7,000 or 8,000 promises in the Bible, maybe 800 in the New Testament. And so we know that there are promises of God and, and we read about them and we hold on to them, but we also know that there is provision from God. And many times in our lives, uh, we experience the pr provision of God. And this is when we actually uh, see the promise come to fruition. This is when we're living in the blessing. And many times in our lives, we have provision. We have the blessing. And we, we love to be in the provision of God. But many times we find ourselves in this gap between the promise and the provision. And it's an interesting gap because we're aware of the promise, but yet we're still awaiting the provision. And we're aware that God has these promises, but we have not yet experienced them. and We have not yet seen them come to fruition. And so often this gap can be frustrating because we say, God, I know that you've promised me rest, but I'm just tired and I'm exhausted and I don't, I don't have any rest right now. And God, I know that you promised to provide for me. And I know that there's resources in heaven and I know that you will take care of me. But God, I just need a new job. And God, I know that you've promised me uh, your grace and your mercy, and I know that you've promised me all these blessings, but God, right now I'm going through this difficult season. I'm walking in the dark, and we find ourselves in this gap. Yeah. And this gap can be very frustrating to navigate. God, I know there's a promise, and I, I believe there's a provision coming, but I have not yet seen it. And the psalmist talked about this gap, and he said this in, in uh, Psalm 33, verse 20. He says, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He says, I'm in this gap. 
and I'm just waiting for the Lord. I'm just wait. I'm in this waiting season. I, I, I know there's some promises, but I'm waiting. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. For our heart shall rejoice in him because he, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. And so as the psalmist is talking about this gap, he's saying, man, we're just waiting. We're in the, I'm, just, I'm just in this waiting season. But while I'm waiting, I'm going to rejoice. While I'm waiting, I'm going to worship. While I'm going through this gap, I'm still going to lift high his name and worship his name because I trust in his holy name. I trust that God is capable of bringing this promise to a provision. I'm trusting that God will bring this promise full circle. He's saying, while I wait, I will rejoice and I will praise his holy name. Thank you guys. You can go ahead and find a seat. Let's give it up for these guys this morning. And I believe that if there is ever a a, a passage of scripture where we can uh, learn about this gap and learn how to navigate this gap. I believe it's Matthew chapter number one, because we learn that Mary and Joseph uh, are expecting this news, and they are, they're not expecting this news, and they, 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 they are waiting, and they are waiting for this, this promise to come to fruition. And, and uh, we see Matthew start to introduce us to uh, the line and the lineage of Jesus Christ, and that's how he opens uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we get that passage at the beginning of the new year and we kind of skip over to Matthew chapter number two as quickly as we can. And I've noticed that, I've noticed that in recent years, there is an increasing interest of family uh, ancestry. And uh, how many of you have seen those websites like ancestry.com? You know what I'm talking about? People are very interested in their family tree and in their lineage because your lineage tells a story, right? Your family tree tells a story. And my son, Luke, his middle name is Porter. And he is named after his great, great, great grandpa, Porter. And uh, you might think, well, Porter's like a preacher, you know, like some, some awesome man. But we found out that uh, great grandpa Porter actually got kicked out of the state of Tennessee for horse thieving. And <laughs> we were like, that's awesome, you know. And, uh, you know, your, your lineage, your family history tells a story. And the Jews were especially interested in your family lineage and in your genealogy because your genealogy connected you to uh, the, uh, the line of Christ or, or if you were in uh, the child, uh, children of Israel, the children of God. And so they were very interested in your uh, lineage because it connected you as God's chosen people. And so Matthew starts this chapter and he's introducing us to this lineage that brings us all the way uh, to Jesus. And it says this in verse number 18 of our text. Now, through, through all of these names, I think it's 46 names that are mentioned in the first 17 verses of Matthew chapter number 1. And by the way, uh, uh, people mentioned in Matthew chapter number 1 from all different kinds of backgrounds and races and, and past and a sinful past. But it shows how God can use anyone uh, for his glory. And so after all of these names, 46 names, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And so now this all leads us, this lineage leads us to Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes people mistakenly think that uh, Jesus, first name, Christ, last name, but Christ is not a name, it's a title. It's, it's speaking of the Messiah. And so G, uh, Matthew is telling us now the Messiah was born this way. And so after this long gap, Thousands of years from Genesis chapter number 3, and now we come to the New Testament in Matthew chapter number 1. Thousands of years, this great gap, now we see the promise 
is coming to fruition. The promise is going to be uh, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so this morning what I'd like to do as we navigate these verses in Matthew chapter number 1, I believe that there are four ways that we can navigate this season between the promise and the provision. Four ways we can navigate or four ways we can mind the gap. Are you ready this morning? Number one, the first way that we can mind the gap. Number one, we've got to deploy faith in the midst of uncertainty. We've got to deploy faith in the midst of uncertainty. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 18. We see the miracle of this arrival. It says, now when the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, watch this, before they came together. She was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. And so the Bible makes this very clear. Matthew's going to make this very clear that this was before they came together. This marriage had not yet been consummated. Before they came together, he's going to make this emphatically clear that Mary was a virgin. This was the miracle of the arrival of Jesus. Luke 1, 26 and 27 says this. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And so this is very clear in scripture that Mary was a virgin. They had not yet come together. This is before they came together. Watch this. She was found. Everybody say found. In the Greek, it's the word hurizo, and it means to discover by observation. And so how did they discover? How did they find out that Mary was pregnant. How do the people see this? Well, they found out because she started to show. They could discover this by observation. They found out that Mary was pregnant because she started to show in her pregnancy. By the way, I believe there's a principle here because when Jesus is on the inside, it should show on the outside. When God is doing a work inside of you, you just can't help but let it show on the outside. Hey, when God is doing something in your heart, you just can't help but let it show on your social media. And you just can't, let it, uh, you just can't help but to let it show in your workplace and in your neighborhood. When God is doing something inside of you, it'll show on the outside. And so Mary now is starting to show they found out that she was with child of the Holy Ghost and this is the miraculous uh, conception this is the virgin birth now throughout history there's been a lot of uh, extraordinary births there's been a lot of amazing uh, birth stories in fact uh, you probably remember uh, several years ago in LA in 2009 there was a woman who gave birth to eight children at once, Octomom. You guys remember this? I think we have a picture this morning. Um, uh, eight, eight babies at once. That is a handful. And uh, there's been a lot of incredible births, and there's different stories about things that have happened at birth. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to make it very clear that there has been no more miraculous birth than the most extraordinary and supernatural birth to ever play, take place is the birth of Jesus Christ. This is an extraordinary, miraculous birth. Matthew Henry said this, Christ was born of a virgin not only because his birth was to be supernatural and altogether extraordinary, but because it was to be spotless and pure and without any stain of sin. And so the virgin birth is one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith because Jesus, as God's son, could not in any way be connected to a sinful nature. He, he is the perfect lamb of God. He is spotless. He is without sin. And so he is able to identify with man. He was born of a woman. He was fully man, but he is the son of God. He is fully God. Aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus is fully man fully God he is not a man that became God he is God that became man and we see this in the incarnation we see that God became flesh and he dwelt among us and this was a miraculous conception Philippians chapter 2 says this 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I love what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse number 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, uh, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is the great uh, miracle of his arrival. And so we see this in verse number 18, but not only do we see the miracle of his arrival, but I want you to see the moment of his arrival. Are you tracking with me this morning? Watch the moment of this. When his mother Mary was espoused, everybody say espoused. Sometimes we think, well, espousal is just the same as engagement. It is similar, but it's very different because in this culture, when you were espoused, uh, it was a legally binding contract. You were actually considered legally married. And during this betrothal or espousal uh, period, uh, the parents usually brought this together, and it was a legal contract. And so in our day, when you get engaged, you know, you kind of give a, give, give a ring uh, to the woman. And this day, you literally signed on the dotted line. This was a legally binding contract. And so... This was this period, and, and usually the espousal period lasted about a year. And uh, after that year espousal period was done, then you would actually consummate the marriage. And so uh, this was a very interesting moment for Jesus to arrive because they were in this espousal period. And sometimes I think we, we underestimate or we overlook the relational complexity between Mary and Joseph when they hear this news that Mary's going to have this baby because Mary and Joseph would have still been teenagers. They would have still been living with their parents. And according to the Old Testament law in Deuter Deuteronomy chapter number 22, if there was any unfaithfulness or there was any adultery, um, the punishment for that was to be stoned, was to be killed. And so when Joseph hears this, when he hears that, and that Mary is pregnant, he knows that he had not been with her. He's only left to come to the conclusion that Mary had been with someone else. And so Joseph, when he hears this news that, that Mary is pregnant, he's shocked his dreams are now shattered. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to think. They've been planning this, this wedding that would last a week long, that they would consummate this marriage, and they've been making plans and dreams together. And now uh, Joseph is doubting Mary. And he's wondering, what, what is this all about? And so there is this relational complexity, and there's this confusion that's taking place and doubt that's taking place in this moment. The Bible says this in Psalm 56. Verse number three, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And it's in this moment when Joseph is afraid, when he's doubting, when he's confused, when he's, when he's wondering what is happening, that he must deploy faith in the midst of uncertainty. And when we are navigating this gap between the promise and the provision, and we are navigating the darkness and the uncertainty, that is the time when we most need to deploy faith and say, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. God, this isn't making any sense. I don't know why this is happening this way. And, and, and God, why is Mary pregnant? What is going on here? But God had a plan through it all. Uh, Psalm 20, verse number 7 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some people today trust in all kinds of things, but we as people of faith and as followers of Jesus should say, I'm going to remember the name of the Lord our God. So often we can only see the current situation and the current season that we're in. Our perspective is so limited, like Joseph. Joseph hears this news, and he only sees what's happening right in front of him, and this makes no sense at all. And now he's got some tough decisions to make. What, what do I do about this espousal, period? What, what do I do about this relationship now? Because to him, Mary was unfaithful. 
And so he's got a decision to make. And so often we are limited to what we can currently see. A couple of months ago, uh, our family, we went to Disneyland, and uh, we were going to watch the uh, Disneyland parade there on Main Street. And so we went, and uh, we sat on the curb there on Main Street, and I was sitting next to Luke. And uh, the people on both sides of us, excuse me, the people on both sides of us were uh, standing during the parade. And uh, they were standing the whole time on both sides of us. And so we couldn't really see down uh, what was to come. And we, we couldn't really see what had passed by. We could really only see what was right in front of us. And we kind of had a blurred memory of what had gone by. And we didn't really know what to anticipate uh, what was going to come. We could only see when the parade passed right in front of us. And so Buzz Lightyear would pass by and Mr. Incredible would pass by and Luke would get really excited. But our perspective was so limited. And I want to tell you that's the exact same way that we see life. We kind of have a blurred memory of what has gone by, but we have no idea what God is going to bring to pass. And we can get frustrated and we can be like Joseph and we can think, man, I'm in the worst season of my life. I'm in a difficult moment. There's there's so much uncertainty right now, but I want to encourage you. You never know what God is going to bring to pass. You never know what stronghold God can pull down. You never know what miracle God can bring your way because we have such a limited perspective. And we've got to deploy our faith even in the midst of uncertainty. And Joseph had to just continue to trust that God had a plan because the same pregnancy that Joseph thought would ruin his life actually ended up saving his life. And when Joseph's plans started to fall apart, God's plans were falling into place. And can I tell you it's the same in our lives? When our plans seem like they're just falling apart, hey, God's plans are falling into place. God's plan is always perfect even when we don't understand it. Because this baby that Joseph was so confused about and so uh, torn up about was going to be the savior of the world. But in Joseph's perspective, he didn't know what was going on. It wasn't his timing, but it was God's timing. Aren't you thankful that God's timing is perfect? I love what the Bible says in Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. It was God's perfect timing. When the fullness of time was come, God sent his son. And so we've got to deploy our faith in the midst of uncertainty. Notice uh, the second uh, thought this morning, how we can navigate this gap. Number two, we've got to develop a selfless concern for others. Now, Christmas is a great time to uh, demonstrate love for other people, right? To show compassion uh, for other people. Uh, right now, my daughter Blakely if you know her at all, she's just a little bit feisty, and uh, she's going to turn two in in January, and uh, she does not show affection very easily, and uh, if you if you uh, go up to Blakely and you try to talk to her, she's going to kind of try to figure you out first, and even with me, I'll try to say, hey, Blakely, can I have a kiss, and she'll say, no, and I'll say, Blakely, can I get a hug, and she'll say, no, and uh, what I've learned is in the Christmas season, what, what Katie and I have learned is if I say, hey, Blakely, can I have a Christmas hug? She'll still say no, but she's more likely to say yes, okay? And, uh, and so I'll say, Blakely, can I get a Christmas hug? And sometimes she'll come and she'll give me a Christmas hug, but it's really hard for her to show that kind of affection. And the truth is, is so often in life when we are navigating this gap, when we know that God has some promises, but we have not yet seen them come to fruition, so often it's hard for us to show concern for anyone else other than ourselves. And we think about what we're going through. We think about our struggle and we forget that there is a world of other hurting people around us. And Joseph is about to demonstrate this compassion, even when he is, even when Joseph is so confused, and even when Joseph doesn't really know what's going on, he's going to show compassion and concern for others. I want you to see that Joseph was a man of conviction. Notice verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, everybody say just. 
The word means righteous. It means he adhered to uh, the law. It means he wanted to do what was right. He was a just man. He had conviction. He, he had some conviction about him. He was a good, godly man who valued purity. We can see that all throughout Joseph's life that he valued purity. And I want to say that today in our culture, what we need so desperately is good, godly men who value purity, who value righteousness. And Joseph was just, he valued purity. In, in our culture, in our day today, purity is a laughable concept. Purity is something that uh, we want to belittle and we want to kind of mock and make fun of. I was reading this week, there's an article uh, uh, in several different news sources about this woman who is a, a, a religious leader and she is mocking the idea of purity and she's mocking uh, the concept of a purity ring and she's saying any, any girls that have ever gotten a purity ring growing up to, uh, uh, to demonstrate and signify that purity... Anybody that's had that ring, send it in to me, and I'll send you back an impurity ring. And I'll even send you a certificate. I, I believe we have a picture this morning. I'll send you a certificate of impurity. And she's saying, hey, uh, it doesn't really matter how you live. It doesn't really matter what's going on. God, God's going to love you anyways. And so she's completely de-emphasizing purity. And I want to say that, that if you've lost your purity, that, that of course you've not lost your position with God. You've not lost your value in any way. You've not lost your purpose before God. But God still does value purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, purity and, and clarity are always connected. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. This was written to a pastor. He's saying, hey, make sure that you're setting the right example in your faith, in your spirit, in love, and in purity. Make sure that you are valuing righteousness in the things of God. Just man. Joseph was a man of conviction, but I want you to see he's also a man of compassion because it says this, and he was not willing to make her a public example. He didn't want to shame Mary. He knew that this meant rejection. He knew that this meant that she would be the talk of the town. This was a scandalous situation. This would have brought shame. This would have brought a lot of gossip. This would have brought a lot of pain and hurt, and Joseph didn't want that for Mary because he loved Mary so much, and so he's not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. That meant that, that he was going to uh, get a, a, a divorce with her, a bill of divorcement, and he was going to do this privately. Now, Joseph, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he really had a couple of options. He could have carried out the strictest Old Testament law in Deuteronomy, and he could have sought to have her killed because of this. Uh, he, he could have uh, followed different uh, rules in the Old Testament where uh, he would... Um, give a lawsuit because of her unfaithfulness, and he could have, he could have said, I'm going to sue you and try to get money from this. And the third option in Deuteronomy was in Deuteronomy 24, verse number 1. It says this, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And so that's what Joseph is doing here. He's saying, I'm going to give her a bill of divorcement. I don't know what to do. I still love her so much, but I'm just going to kind of uh, 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 take care of this thing privately. I don't want to get a lot of people involved. Joseph is confused, not really sure what to do, but he says this, I just love Mary so much that I don't want to hurt her. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 8, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Uh, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things and believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And so Joseph demonstrated that he was a man of conviction, but he was also a man of compassion. And I want to say that we need to be both. Because conviction 
without compassion, we'll lose our influence. But compassion without conviction, we sacrifice the truth. And so we've got to be people of conviction. We know what we believe, but we also are people of compassion, and we love the people that God has placed in our lives. And that's what we see in Joseph, that he was going through this gap of uncertainty. He didn't know what was going on, but he said, I'm still going to develop love for the people around me and develop concern for the people around me. And so uh, we see that we have to develop this kind of concern for others. But here's the third thought this morning. If you're hanging with me, would you say amen? Amen. Number three, we've got to discover clarity in Jesus. By the way, aren't you thankful that there is clarity found in Jesus? Even when we are confused and navigating difficult seasons, we know that Jesus brings clarity uh, to our situation. And no doubt Joseph was confused in this moment, and uh, he had a lot of questions, but uh, he's about to have some clarity come into his life. Notice the revelation found in verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, so Joseph was really pondering this. He, he was really uh, broken up about this. In fact, this phrase uh, carries the idea that, that, that he was really emotionally thinking about the, these things. He was emotionally invested. And uh, while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And so he says, don't, don't write that bill of divorcement. I know you're confused, and I know you think that Mary's been unfaithful, but no, it's okay for you to take Mary to wife, uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And so what we learn back in verse number 18 as a reader, now Joseph is learning in this narrative, he's learning, wow, this is a miraculous conception that the Holy Ghost uh, is a part of this. Notice verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the Hebrew word for Jesus means Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. And so now Joseph gets this revelation. He gets this clarity that this baby is conceived of the Holy Ghost. He's to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Jesus is Savior. This is the good news of Christmas. Isaiah 43 verse number 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no savior this is why jesus came he came to save first timothy 1 15 says this is a faithful saying that means this is an established doctrine and worthy of all exception that christ jesus came into the world and so this speaks of his incarnation that god became flesh but it also speaks of his pre-existence that he always existed before abraham was i am that jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am chief this is why Jesus came to save. See, salvation is found in Jesus. Salvation is not found in religion. Salvation is not found in being a good person. Salvation is not found in any other name. Salvation is found in the name of Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he came to save his people from their sins? There is salvation in Jesus. And now Joseph is getting this revelation, but he also has a responsibility. Because it says this, and she shall come forth, uh, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. This is what you have to do. There is a responsibility. You have to name this child Jesus. And I want to tell you, wherever there is revelation, there will also be responsibility. Anytime there is a revelation from God and there is a word from God, there also is a responsibility on our end to carry out the commands and the instructions that God gives us. And so wherever there's revelation, there will be responsibility. And so uh, Joseph now is starting to understand. He's starting to get a little bit of clarity about Jesus. And then uh, Matthew kind of takes a break in the narrative and he gives us a little side commentary. And he's about to give us a great reminder. He's about, to, he's about to give us a commentary on what's taking place here. By the way, the best commentary on the Bible is always the Bible, right? And so Matthew gives us a commentary in verse 22 and 23. Now all this was done that it might be 
fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. All this happened that it might be fulfilled. Fulfilled. The word fulfilled in the Greek is uh, plerao, and it means this, to make full. To bring full circle. All this happened that it might be made full. To Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 22 brings us back all the way to Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. And Matthew quotes this verse. And every, every lamb in the Old Testament that was slain is pointing us ahead to Jesus. And every prophet, even unknowingly, is pointing us ahead to Jesus. All of creation groaned, waiting for this moment, waiting for the coming Messiah. And now Matthew tells the Joseph, hey, it is being fulfilled. All this happened that it might be fulfilled. And I want to encourage you today, if you're stuck waiting somewhere in the middle, if you're in the middle of a promise and a provision, I just want to encourage you that our God knows how to bring a promise full circle. It will come to fruition because God always keeps his promises. And so now Matthew is, is getting this, or Joseph is now getting this clarity found in Jesus. And there's, there's one final thought this morning, how we can navigate this gap. Number four, we have to determine to walk in obedience. Determine to walk in obedience. You have one more point in you? Yes. All right. Anybody cold? Yes. Amen. Determine. To walk in obedience. Notice verse number 24. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did. Everybody say did. did. There's a difference between hearing and doing. Joseph heard what the angel was telling him. But then when he was raised from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And he took on him his wife. He said, okay, I'm not going to write this bill of divorcement. I'm going to marry Mary. He obeyed. He submitted. Even though this meant that there would be some scandal, even though this meant there'd be some shame, even though he knew that this meant rejection from some people, he said, I'm going to submit to the instruction from the Lord. I'm going to determine to walk in obedience. John 14, 23 says this. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He says, If you love me, you will uh, adhere to the instruction that I give you. Joseph, he submitted, but so did Mary. We learn in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Hey, whatever you say, that, that's what I want to submit to. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so we see the submission. But we also see that Joseph had to demonstrate self-control because notice what it says in verse 25. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. This is interesting because the angel tells Joseph, go ahead and get married. Go ahead and, and consummate this marriage, but don't be together. Go ahead and follow through this marriage. Take, take, take her to be your wife, but you still have to uh, make sure that you do not consummate this marriage. You make sure that you are still uh, pure from one another. And so even though Joseph uh, was committing to this marriage, he could not enjoy this intimacy found in marriage because they had to be apart from one another. And Joseph had to uh, exercise this submission and now this self-control. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And there ought to be something in us that says, You know what? I'm going to demonstrate self-control because I want to see God's promise come to pass. Yeah. 
So often we miss the promise of God and we miss the provision because we're not willing to submit. We're not willing to demonstrate self-control to see it come to fruition. And in God's will, there's always satisfaction that accompanies submission. When we submit to God's will, we are in the best possible position for the blessing. Several years ago, uh, my brother-in-law, John, and I, we went to a Clippers game. And we went to the Clippers game because at that time, they were playing uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And LeBron James was on the Cleveland Cavaliers, by the way. Let's just go ahead and praise Jesus that now he is in L.A. with the Los Angeles Lakers. Amen. But we wanted to go and we wanted to see uh, LeBron James play. And, uh, and uh, we were excited about this, and we had really bad tickets, and we were sitting way up high. And as we were about to go into the game, someone said, hey, do you want to upgrade your tickets? And we said, how do we do it? And they said, hey, we've got some tickets that are right behind uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers bench. You're going to be really close. You can see LeBron James. And we got excited about this. And he said, you've got to give me your tickets, and then you've got to uh, give me 40 extra dollars, and then you can sit down, down low. And so we thought this is a great deal. And so I had to go to the ATM machine. I had to get some cash out. We went. We upgraded our tickets. We went into the game. So excited to see LeBron James. And wouldn't you know it, our seats were on the complete opposite opposite side of the stadium. We were nowhere near LeBron James like the guy had promised us. We are living in a day and age where it's, it's hard to know who to trust. It's hard to know what to believe in. We are living in an age where so much content is just being thrown in our direction. So much information is being thrown in our direction and we never really know, should I trust this? Should I believe this? And I want to tell you, in the midst of all this uncertainty, we can trust the word of God because God's promises always come to fruition. His promises always come full circle. Hey, if God said it, we can believe it. We can trust it every single time for the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 120 for all the promises of God in him who's him it's Jesus all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen unto the glory of God the Father hey can I tell you this morning that because of Jesus hey we can believe every word of the Word of God and all his promises will come to fruition Hebrews 10 36 says this for we have need of patience that after you have done the will of God you might receive the promise we need to learn to navigate this gap with faith and with focus and with patience that we might receive the promise that comes to fruition. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.